Amen. Uh, if you would go ahead and fill out the Connect card that you were handed when you came in, uh, just put your name on that if you're here on a regular basis. Uh, put any prayer requests that you might have on that. We do faithfully pray over those requests that you give uh, multiple times a week. And there are also some Bibles under your seats. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, please take one home. Uh, that's our gift to you. This is the third message in the series, Don't Quit. And to be honest, I had some difficulty deciding what angle I wanted to preach on this week. I had scriptures and notes and possibilities uh, on so many different things. For example, I could have talked about not quitting on those that you love from the story of the prodigal son. Uh, I could have talked about not quitting uh, on the hope of being healed from any number of accounts uh, that Jesus did in his ministry on earth. I could have talked about not quitting on your spouse because the scriptures say that the two become one. Uh, therefore, quitting on your spouse is like quitting on yourself. Uh, I also thought about talking about uh, the golden rule and talking and preaching a message on not quitting on other people because we wouldn't want other people to quit on us. In the end, something about the story that we looked at last week just felt incomplete to me. Uh, it was like God had something more for us there. Uh, so last week, in case you weren't here with us, uh, we looked at Acts 27, and Paul was a prisoner on a ship heading to Rome. And he warned those in charge of the ship uh, not to set sail because he could see that things we're not going to go well. Uh, the pilot and the owner of the ship made a mistake not listening to the preacher prisoner, uh, and they suffered for not listening to God, like greatly. They suffered days on end of a terrible storm without any light in the sky to navigate by. They lost their cargo, they lost their tackle, and everyone on that ship feared for the, their life. They thought they were going to die, but God showed up and God gave them a promise that none of them would perish. They would live to see that boats sink, but God saves. And thanks be to God because God gives us the same promise, the same grace when we make mistakes and we see that God saves. That was last week, but we just left them there on the boat. <laughs> and I kind of feel like we, we can't quit there. We need to hear the rest of the story. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week with Acts 27, 27 through 44. Now, if you look in your Bible, this whole section is called the shipwreck. So you kind of know what's coming. So picking up with verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. So you never know when you head off in disobedience to God, when you don't listen to those warnings of the Spirit, where you're going to end up. And we see a timeline here. Uh, these men were being tossed around at sea for an entire two weeks because they didn't listen to God's warning. But now they're getting close to land, which could be a serious problem. So look at verse 28. 
they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. So that's really, really shallow, considering that the Adriatic Sea is 4,000 feet deep. So they are quickly approaching land. Now, this was a big ship. Uh, a lot of us think uh, it was a, a boat, but 276 people were on board. This is a big ship. These sailors did not do a great job discerning that God was speaking through Paul. But they can smell land like nobody's business. Occasionally, I hear people say, you know what, I, I don't understand the Bible. I can't discern when I read it what God's trying to say to me. That discernment comes from spending time with Jesus. It comes from spending time in prayer. It comes from reading his word. It's, it's almost like anything else in life. You get good at what you put time and energy into. Now, if one of us was on that boat, we probably would not have been able to deduce at midnight, in the dark, that we were getting close to land. But the sailors could do it because they spent so much time at sea. And I actually did a little research, and they said that so sailors could honestly smell land. They had been out to sea for so long that their noses could pick up the, in the air that they were getting close to land. So if you want to discern the will of God, spend time with Jesus. Verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight because they can't tell if there's rocks there or not. Remember, it's midnight. It's dark. But they think that there might be rocks as they approach land. And that would be like a train wreck ready to happen, right? Have you ever had that sense of impending doom? Have you ever watched someone you love make a decision that you knew, that you could see wasn't going to go well? And you just cringed as the train wreck that you could see coming was about to happen. Well, maybe that wasn't somebody else. Maybe, maybe that was you. And if it was, you learned, or you're learning right now, that life can lead you to places you never thought you would be. That happens when you don't follow Jesus. And if that's where you're at, like right now, you need to know that we are glad you are here because many of us were there too. And we're not here to judge you. We are here to see you back home, back to shore, back to Jesus. Storms and situations like this are always worse when you're in the dark. Your mind always imagines the worst case scenario when you can't see what's going on. When you're walking in the woods and you hear noise, well, of course, it's a bear or a mountain lion. Uh, it's not a rabbit. Uh, when you go to the doctor and you don't hear back from them right away, your mind goes crazy. And before long, you've convinced yourself that you're dying. You have an interview for a job and they don't give you a call back. And of course, they gave it to somebody else. My point is this. Even though Paul told them, 
that God was going to see them through this storm and work it out so that none of them would die. Those rocks that they feared were there grew in their minds until verse 30. In attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let down the lifeboat into the sea pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. You see, these sailors are not yet convinced that their lives are safe in the hands of God. Their hope all along has been in the big boat. But now the big boat looks like it's going to go away. But there's still a little boat. <laughs> and the little boat in their minds won't get hung up on the sandbar and they could navigate around the rocks. When God doesn't make sense. When he doesn't answer your prayers in the way that you thought he would or the way that you wanted. Who starts to look for plan B? Anybody? Okay, a number of you are honest enough to admit that. The rest of you, you can see me later. <laughs> God's plan is always better in the long run. Always. Most of the time, it's better in the short run too. But I think it's important to note here, from God's perspective, they were all in this together. Did you notice that? If the sailors would have bailed, everybody's life would have been in jeopardy. The lesson is don't quit. Don't quit on the people around you. Because if somebody is walking away from God, their plan, God's plan for their life, might be intertwined with God's plan for your life. You just don't know. Are you your brother's keeper? Yes. Don't let them quit on the plans of God's without a fight because your destinies might be wound up together. Let's pick up with verse 33 and 34. Just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat, all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. I'm not sure why, but somehow this feels like I'm at my grandmother's house. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if your grandmother is like that, but if my grandmother knew that you were stressing out about something or facing some kind of trial, she would make you food. And she would invite you to lunch and put out a spread that would feed an army. And if you were sitting at the table, she wouldn't even ask if you wanted more. She would just scoop it out and onto your plate. Uh, anybody else have a grandma like, like that? Okay. Uh, you are lucky that you don't weigh 300 pounds. That's all I have to say. But there is something comforting and sacred about sharing a meal together. Look at what Paul does next and tell me if you don't see the Last Supper with a hint of feeding the 5,000 here. Verses 35 through 38. 
After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. You see, you see Jesus in that act? They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, that's the phrase from the feeding of the 5,000 where the 12 baskets were left over, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When you make the decision to walk with Jesus through the storm together, says brothers and sisters in Christ, when you don't bail on God's plan for those around you, because it might include you, you come to this sacred moment, this point of strength together. Christians are are famous for asking God to get them out of times of trial. Everybody is looking for the lifeboat, the plan B, whether you raised your hand or not. When we read the words that Jesus spoke, in this life, you will have trouble. Most of us want to go, la, 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 I can't hear you. But there is a supernatural strength when a group of believers stand together in adversity. That's one of the reasons why connect groups and Christian friendships are so vital to your walk with God. Those relationships give you strength. They are a tangible reminder that God is always with you and that you are not alone. We are in this together. Scripture says God shows up when two or three are gathered together. Don't quit, not ever, or we all suffer. Stand together and you will see the promises of God. We've been coming back to Hebrews 10, 36 in this series. It says this, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. If God says he will see you through, then by golly, he will see you through. Let's pick up with verses 39 through 44. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach, which is better than rock, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. He is starting to learn that there is something about the prisoner preacher that he should give heed to and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest, did you notice that? These guys have been two weeks out to sea in a terrible storm and there are people on the ship that can't swim. Now, if you can't swim, (laughs) this would not be your cup of tea. here's, Here's the instructions to you all if you can't swim. The rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land 
safely. See, what God promised happened. They took the long way around to doing the will of God. But all 276 of them were saved by the grace of God. They survived the sea. They survived the soldiers trying to kill them. They survived not listening to God in the first place, looking for plan B. Can anybody relate? Anybody here this morning that took the long way around to doing the will of God? Is anybody here married to somebody who took the long way around to doing the will of God. I, I normally tell you not to point, but go ahead. You can point this morning. You can point, point about, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some people in the house that took the long way around to doing the will of God. You know what the biggest blessing of knowing God is? It's just him. It's just his character. God is faithful, and he never quits on us, not ever, even if you took the long way around. I want to talk about the first 10 verses of chapter 28. I'm not going to read those. You can do that this afternoon. The island that they kind of beached on was the island of Malta. And the people there were unusually kind to them, which means they had the favor of God. God God prepared their way. But while they first beached, they were starting a fire. And Paul, as he's helping build the fire, uh, gets bit by a venomous snake. And the islanders immediately think that Paul must be a murderer. To have been saved from the sea, but yet to die by a snake bite. Don't quit no matter what people think of you. You know what Paul did with the snake? He literally shook it off into the fire. And that's what you can do with the false assumptions of other people. Just shake them off. When Paul didn't die after being bit by the snake, they changed their minds. (laughs) And they thought he was a god. The lesson is we need to be careful about judging people based on the situations they face because we just don't know what they are going through or why. Well, after Paul survives the venomous snake bite, everyone gets invited to the chief official's house where Paul heals the official's father. And then the entire island brings their sick and everyone gets healed. God worked in such an amazing way that three months later, After all the winter storms were over, the the officials gave them a ship and furnished it with all their supplies. And when I take this entire story into account, one of the biggest takeaways for me is this. Don't quit when the good works God has prepared for you don't feel good. That's from Ephesians 2.10, which says... For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think most of us kind of subconsciously think because we're doing those good works that they're going to give us warm fuzzies as we do the good things that God had in store for us. Not necessarily. 
Paul learned that the good work that God had in store for him involved hunger and seasickness and being cold and wet and a prisoner and being bitten by a snake. And some of you are thinking, no way. Like if that's God's plan for me, the rest of you can drown because I'm getting out of there. And I get it. You don't like snakes. But just because things are terrible doesn't mean you're not showing people Jesus. Or on your way to the place where you are to show people Jesus. Where you're headed may not be Malta. But wherever the storm of life tosses you is where you are supposed to show people Jesus. Don't quit and assume God's not in it just because life isn't pleasant at the moment. Because when your life seems to be the darkest is when people see Jesus in you the clearest. One of my heroes of the faith was a man by the name of Charlie Bergstrom. And Charlie was a, an older gentleman in my home church uh, who used to teach Sunday school and have a music ministry and he traveled around and played his trumpet and sang songs. And I used to work for him as a teenager doing maintenance around his house when he got too old that he didn't want to paint his basement and mow his yard. Charlie got cancer. And the doctors could do absolutely nothing. And he called the pastor of our church. And the pastor went over thinking he was going to pray and comfort. And he walked in the door and Charlie said, did you hear? I get to go see Jesus. 30 years later, that pastor, whose name was Jerry Schmidt, who used to be the district superintendent of the Greensburg district, got brain cancer. And he put up a valiant, valiant fight. But when the doctors could do nothing else, Jerry came here and he told me the story of Charlie again. And he said to me, did you hear? I get to go to see Jesus. I don't think I have ever seen a clearer picture of Jesus in my life. And it came at someone's darkest hour. But you see, in Christ, there is no darkness at all. Paul said you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that the promise that you extend to us is life. And God, our, our debt is paid. And our inheritance is your son. And the best thing about knowing him is knowing him. So God, as a church, we long to do your will until what you have promised happens. And God, we know in faith that no matter whether we've taken the long way around, no matter whether we've looked for plan B, the mistakes that we have made, God, we will inherit life in Christ. So this morning, we commit ourselves to doing everything in our power, but relying totally 
upon your grace so that others see Jesus in us so that one day, God, every day, we can be prepared to see Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.